Positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality and the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life? Well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week to help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I'm the reflection and extension of you who will be here each Wednesday interviewing a different consciousness change maker. And on the other four weekdays, leading the way to ensure that your perspective is consistently expanded, your vibration is constantly elevated, and your heart is overflowing and full. And you guys have heard me say that if I ever run ads on this show, it will only be with a company that I fully support because I believe their intention is to make a positive difference in the world. Well, I'm pleased to announce that day has arrived and that this episode of the Positive Head Podcast is being brought to you thanks to the support of Gaia. If you're not familiar, Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash Positive Head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash Positive Head. Check it out. All right, all you positive heads, on this week's Pow Wow episode, I am absolutely thrilled to have Diego Perez here with me on the show. Diego recently released his first collection of poetry, quotes, and prose uh, titled Inward under the pen name Young Pueblo uh, that explores the movement from self-love to unconditional love, the power of letting go, uh, the wisdom that comes when we truly come to know ourselves, and very, very excited to kind of dive in deeper with him today. Hello, Diego. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for having me, and thank you for... um you know, open up this space and excited to dig deep with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I am uh, such a sucker for powerful words. <laughs> I love quotes. I love, uh, you know, introspective uh, writing and and uh, poetry. And it's something that I explore on my, on my daily episodes regularly, you know, taking a quote or something that I really love and just sort of diving in and, and here's my interpretation of it and here's what it means to me. Here's how it feels to me. And here you are, you know, I've seen a lot of your stuff floating around out there and i'm like man this guy has uh he knows what's up he's got some great insight <laughs> and wisdom to share share with the world and uh, let's uh let's get him on and and uh dig in so very very uh grateful that you uh taken the time to, to to share with us here today and i would like to start with the same question that i always uh, open up with uh you're in an elevator the woman next to you looks over, says, what's your passion? You got 10 floors to answer. What do you say? Oh, I would say freedom. Um, I think freedom in the internal and the external um, variety. So 
for me personally, in in terms of the internal realization of freedom, um, I find that through meditating and I know, you know, I've always, since I was very little, I've always been fascinated by the word liberation and freedom and mm. have come to understand it, you know, um, as something that is material, you know, I've, we need a certain, um, you know, material sustainability to be able to have, allow us to go inward, you know, being able to eat, being able, having, having homes, having water, you know, having access to these things that our bodies need for us to be able to really spend time um, digging deep introspectively. So to me, uh, both go hand in hand, that internal freedom and that external freedom. You know, our world has a lot of uh, changing that it needs to do for it to really be in balance, for there to be really um, a a substantial shift so that we can have a global peace. And Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing because I think a lot of uh, what we see happening around the world this big sort of explosion in self-love and wellness. And um, though, you know, it's not all perfect, it's it's a sign that humanity itself is um, taking a step inward and, and starting to realize uh, both of those freedoms. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, you, you throwing out the word uh, liberate or liberation there makes me think back. I had a, I had a band many, many years ago uh, called Kundalini. And one of our first fan favorites was a song called Liberate. And I um, also love, there's an album by uh, Snatam Kaur. I, I'm probably butchering the name, but uh, it's such a beautiful album and song called Liberation's Door. And so there is a lot of uh, power in that word. And, um, you know, speaking of the power of words, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story, how you got here. Uh, you know, of course, uh, Young Pueblo being your uh, pen name and, you know, kind of what's up with that, wh- where that came from. <laughs> and maybe you can give us a little background. Yeah, definitely. So, like you said before, my my real name is Diego Perez. And I've chosen to write under the name Young Pueblo for a number of reasons. One, you know, it is a real sort of ode to hip hop. To um, You know, I grew up in the inner city in Boston and I, I came to the United States back when I'm originally from Ecuador. And uh, I came oh, with okay, my family cool. back here. I came to here when I was about four years old. So in a lot of ways, hip hop really raised me. Um mm. But really, when I think of the name Young Pueblo, it literally translates to young people. And something that I've learned over time is that humanity is really growing. And especially if you examine us as a collective, if you look at us as a collective, you know, there are a lot of things that we're trying to learn. If you think back to when we were children in kindergarten, you know, what were our teachers trying to impart on us? Um, They were really simple things, things like you know, cleaning up after yourself, uh, not hitting each other, telling the truth, uh, being kind to each other. Now, if you take a look and you see us, you know, as individuals, some of us may may be able to do these things, but as a grand collective, as uh, taking humanity as one, we really don't know how to do these things at all. You know, we don't know how to clean up after ourselves. We're constantly hitting each other, constantly at war, and um, we don't treat each other well. So I think particularly over these next hundred years, uh, humanity is going to have some of its greatest challenges, but through these challenges, you know, we will really mature as a people. Mm. And I like to be reminded about that pretty constantly because, um, I feel like, you know, I'm growing too. And, um, just having that idea sort of, um, gave me that support and that guidance that all of humanity is young, uh, really helps sort of carry the message forward. 
Mm. Yeah, that's powerful because, you know, we're so quick to judge uh, ourselves, judge others, judge the world, judge, judge other countries, judge, you know, it's on and on and on. And it's uh, it's it's one of those things. It, what it makes me think of is, um, you know, sometimes when I'm in a conversation with someone and they're really upset about what someone did or didn't do. And I'll say, I'll say to them to just to kind of snap them out of it, you know, and to help shift their perspective. I'm like, well, do you get mad when, you know, uh, a puppy pees on the carpet? (laughs) And and it's like, oh, uh, you know, it's like, this is where people are at. This is where this person is at in this particular scenario. And, um, you know, if you can bring some of that perspective to your analysis, it, it lightens the load, right? Yeah, and it really helps to understand that, you know, for the most part, everyone's trying their best. And our strengths are in very different places. You know, the the, the giant spectrum of sort of human character and human ability is so different that we may think, you know, some of us are behind, some of us are forward. But we really are just so strikingly unique that, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, everyone's in the same place. Like, we all feel sadness. We all feel tension. We all feel you know, happiness and pain. And um, that's one of the things that I really like that Krishnamurti, Jiddu Krishnamurti really highlighted in his writings is that, you know, fundamentally, you know, the co- uh, the contents of the human mind may be different, but the structure of the human mind is really the same across the board. Right, right, right. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting point. So you're, you know, uh, obviously the the name is uh, very fitting. You're not, uh, you're not in your seventies, right? No, no. Last time I looked in the mirror, <laughs> I was uh, I I ju- actually just recently turned thirty years old. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so young, young, it definitely works uh, f- both physically uh, as well as on, on multiple levels. So how, what's your story, man? How did you, how did you end up becoming such a prolific poet? Um, yeah. So I actually definitely never planned to be a writer. I, um, my background really is in, uh, in organizing and community organizing and youth organizing. I started mm. back when I was about 15 years old and this is sort of what, drove uh my sort of interest in the idea of liberation and you know we were i was this was back in boston i was part of this group called boston youth organizing project it was youth led and adult supported and the young people really had all the power and we're we're thinking you know we're talking like high school kids from from all grades and just working together to literally change our schools in our city and we were a really really effective group um And I learned a lot, you know, I learned how important it was and how possible it was to change our material reality, Um, literally Mm. changing our external environment, you know, changing laws, um, getting more resources to certain places and really seeing substantial differences that we could enact in the world. But um, one thing I was noticing was that, you know, there was still a lot of work to be done and we weren't really fully winning. You know, the world at large was still largely struggling. There was still so much uh, internal and material misery that was happening. And as I grew up, you know, I eventually, uh, got to the point where I ended up doing a 10 day Vipassana meditation, uh, back when I was about 24 years old, that this was July 2012. And that really shook me open. I think, um, after meditating for 10 days, I really got a good look at the internal dynamics of liberation. And that sort of just, built a bridge between the two and I saw how 
necessary the two were for either to happen. And after understanding that, you know, liberation really has a powerful, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an inside job primarily. And the more we liberate ourselves internally, the more we know ourselves, the more we can really cultivate our inner peace, our happiness and, and mental freedom, um, the better we can effectively change the world. And I think, you know, about uh, after a few courses, you know, I, I knew that like, I wasn't enlightened or anything like that. I was, you know, definitely someone in the middle of the road. And, but I felt that I was, there was some things that I was learning and that what really struck me intensely was that real healing was possible. You know, I had, I had always, um, dealt with a lot of, uh, depression and sadness, uh, throughout my life, even from when I was a young child. And it was always something that weighed, um, in the back of my mind and sometimes in the front, you know, would totally consume my mind at times. But after I started meditating seriously, a lot of these, um, depressive patterns were released. And, you know, I still feel sadness from time to time, but nowhere to the same intensity as before. And, um, right. What I started really seeing was like, wow, like, you know, you can really heal yourself. And this healing is directly connected, connected to global healing. So I knew that I had, um, picked up a few insights and I had, I was changing myself for the better and that I should start writing, you know, I should start sharing some of the things I'm understanding about emotions, about love, you know, about, um, how to be, a, how to be a better human being. And mm. I knew that even though the things that I understand may change, it's still worthwhile to even, you know, hopefully inspire even one person to understand that, you know, real healing is possible, especially if you start reclaiming your power and, uh, just sort of take that ownership over your happiness and start doing that, that inner work. Um, and from there on, you know, I just kept writing and, uh, figuring out my voice and the Instagram platform was just really perfect for what I was trying to do and combining, uh, you know, essays with the short pieces that most people see. Um, it was really a powerful way to, you know, um, to just reach out to a lot of people and, and it's really taken off from there. It's been a, it's been a beautiful journey so far. And in some ways I feel like I'm just getting started. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like you're just getting started as well. And, you know, with a, a Vipassana uh, silent meditation retreat, I mean, that's a pretty intensive, um, you know, journey for those of you who aren't aware it's, uh, what, what is it? You spend about 10 days in complete silence. Yes. 10 days. Um, <laughs> and you meditate for about 10 hours a day. And, wow. um, it's definitely very intensive. It's, um, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's, um, there's, there's no way around it. It's not like a, uh, you know, we call it a meditation course because it's not a retreat. You know, you're not, you're not being pampered and you're not, it's not a light. Right. <laughs> um, so you go there and you're, you're literally doing, you know, like a, it's like a psychic mental surgery on your mind and you're, you know, opening up the subconscious and releasing a lot of these very heavy patterns that have been, you know, dictating your behavior and also, you know, adding to your misery. But, um, yeah. but you know, you, you learn a, a beautiful, powerful, ancient tool and you're, um, you're sort of held within a very beautiful container. You know, there are wonderful teachers there and there's also our main teacher, SN Goenka, who, you know, gives you the technique and it's a, uh, it's a wonderful environment. You know, I, I I've done a, a number of, medi of meditation courses in the Vipassana tradition since then. And it's really when people ask me, you know, how do I heal myself? How do I let go? 
Well, I always tell them, you know, I do Vipassana. Um, that's, that's really been my medicine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I know I have a number of friends who have went through, you know, a Vipassana, um, and they all came out the other side, you know, just singing, saying the same sort of thing. It's not easy, but so powerful. And isn't it where you can, it, it, they're, they're free or you, you make a donation or something like that. Uh, or, isn't totally. that how it's set up? Yeah, it's cool. It's, um, it's a pretty amazing organization. I mean, now there's in California, there's three centers, um, around mm. the United States, I think there's about 10 or 11 now. And around the world, there's about 150 centers. And they're all under um, the SN Goenka tradition. And uh, Goenka really wanted to give Vipassana the same way the Buddha gave it, which was free. Um, and right. the only thing we do accept, uh, or the organization accepts, is if, if you finish the course, if you complete a 10-day course, then you can donate according to your means and that means mm. you know one one time i and and if you don't donate anything at all no one bats an eye you know it's, it's wow. not necessary it's not demanded it's not even you know um forced upon you in any way whatsoever and it's beautiful. really beautiful because i've gone a few times i've got i think twice i've gone and i paid nothing because i had nothing you know i yeah. I, I was um you know at post-college had no job um and had nothing to give. And then since then, you know, um, I give what I can and um, what makes sense for my family. But it's really beautiful because it, it allows for obviously taking 10 days from your life is um, is not easy. You know, trying to separate that time, especially with the, the difficult sort of like nine to five, you know, capitalist driven um work environment it's it does take a lot of effort to separate that time for yourself but my goodness once you do take that time for yourself the benefits are just immensely tremendous and and knowing that you know um money isn't really an issue once you go there you know you you get a room you get fed um and they give you this amazing technique and then you're free to go and you know live your life and hopefully a little bit happier wow that's uh that's such a beautiful and pure approach um, to, you know, helping the planet and what's, you know, you think about it, it's like, okay, so you went, you know, just out of college, you didn't have money, but you went, you went through it and look at the healing that it led, it led you to. And now look at the healing that is being spread through your work. You know, you're, you have a, you have a large and ever growing following. Uh, it's just such a beautiful, um, example of, you know, ROI, you know, ripple of impact. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, is uh, outside of the outside <laughs> of the monetary system right and uh it's i love it man yeah and uh, i love the um the way the organization is set up it's in a very you know the, the technique is the same in any you know you can go anywhere in the world and the technique is the same but the organizations run themselves they're um individually funded by the meditators who are in the area and um you know, it's, it's, it's totally not for profit and it's a very, um, anarchistic system. You know, there, there's no like global, um, organization that's running each individual center. They all really run themselves, which is, um, right. it's awesome to think that, you know, anarchism works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to, to think about also the, that idea, that concept of a non-traditional 
model, not only as far as the financial model, but, you know, there's no hierarchical sort of um, system that I feel, even with my own business, is something that I'm employing, you know, a organizational structure that's outside of the typical, you know, piss down, kiss up, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> way things work in, in business models. It's like, there's a, there's a model called the holacracy that I'm implementing with, um, you know, one of my business endeavors and I'm real excited about it. And so it sounds like it's touching on some of that as well. Um, well, uh, you know, Diego, what I would like to do if you're, if you're game and I think you are, uh, why don't we explore some of your writing? Let's explore sure. some of the, 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 the quotes, passages that you feel, you know, the, the way I like to approach all of these things, it, it's like, what do you feel needs, wants to be heard now? You know, what is timely, uh, with the people who will be hearing this and with, you know, what will have the, the, the greatest ROI and using that your intuition. And, you know, of course I've, uh, um, I've also bookmarked uh, a few here uh, of, of your quotes that I personally like as well. So, but maybe we could start with if there's something that you feel uh, called to, you know, uh, read and, and discuss. Yeah, I think um, if you don't mind, I would love to read a few of the short essays. I think a lot of people are accustomed to seeing the very short pieces that I like putting forward, yep. which are you know, marvelous. I love that people are interacting with it because I'm, I'm a big fan of the minimalistic style, but, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of things that things that people don't see, um, or who don't have my book yet, you know, there's a lot of really good essays that go into things a little more deeply. So I'd love to read one of those really quickly. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, this one's on page 106. Um, I'm going to start now. We live in a unique time where fear-driven and hateful emotions are coming to the surface so that they can be completely released, so that we can create a new world where institutionalized forms of harm are no longer a factor in our lives. As it works for the individual, it also works for the collective of humanity. We can't heal what is ignored, nor can we live happily and freely if we continue running away from our own darkness. Personally, my faith is in people. Our courage to turn inward in the hope of uncovering and releasing all that stands in our way of becoming beings of unconditional love is what will bring harmony and peace to our world. Unity with those around us is most possible when we become internally whole and loving. Wisdom more easily flows through us when our minds and hearts are no longer reacting to the suffering of everyday life. This does not mean that we will become cold or distant. It means that we will learn to respond calmly to the inevitable changes of life without causing ourselves misery. We will learn to respond to life as opposed to blindly reacting to it. Humans affect affect one another deeply in ways that the world at large is just beginning to understand. When we begin healing ourselves, it sets off waves that connect us to those who have healed in the past and those who who will heal in the future. When we heal ourselves, it gives strength to those who need more support to take on their own personal healing journey. What we do reverberates throughout time and space like a rock thrown into a lake. The circles it creates move in all directions. And that's it. Ah, I love that, man. Yeah, that is... um that is such a powerful piece. And, you know, I love what you said, how you, by doing the work, doing the healing work, you are connecting with 
all the figures who have done the healing work in the past and will do so in the future. It's kind of like, I think I instantly got the visual of like the imaginal cells and the butterfly that come together to help it metamorphosize from, you know, the caterpillar. You've got these imaginal cells that pop up and they, they're, they're similar and now they're connecting their energy and they, you know, at first, at first they get crushed by the caterpillars you know uh normal cells but over time (laughs) they just keep coming back and popping up and popping up and you know and then their numbers grow and then they band together and then you know it becomes the shift that leads to the next version of that creature and that's instantly sort of the visual i got when i heard that of what um you know what is happening i feel on our planet currently when people are willing to do the work and and uh rendezvous you know dock with those uh others who are also doing the work and of course the idea that time and space is illusory you tie that into it and it it's a really interesting perspective absolutely and i really um i i, I love that piece in particular cuz it really shows um, how in our individual lives and collectively just everything's coming to the surface, you know, everything, mm-hmm. um, if you think about society as a whole and you think about, um, you know, the anti-war movement, you know, um, the reality that racism still exists in America, you know, the me too movement sort of combating patriarchy, all these things are coming to the surface in the same way that, you know, you may have the the darkness inside of you that you're sort of avoiding and not interacting with on the individual level. And, you know, collectively and individually, it's all moving in the same direction. And uh, a phrase I like to say is, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. But it definitely feels like uh, we live in a very special time in history where, you know, we have to confront these difficult things for us to not only live happier and more peaceful individual lives, but to really create a new world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fully, fully agree. And, uh, that is a a wonderful quote. And it made me kind of think, you know, uh, as a writer, I mean, is there any particular writers, poets, uh, thinkers of the past that have influenced, uh, your work most, you would say? Most, I would say, um, so, I think in the past, um, I think the Buddha for sure. I mean, I've read um, a good amount of, uh, you know, the Dhammapada and then different books about the Pali Canon, which sort of holds um, all the different Buddhist discourses. And I've definitely mm-hmm. been highly influenced by the Buddha. I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist in any way. I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, the it's I take the Buddhist teaching very seriously, but, um, but mm-hmm. I don't really hold any particular religion. And I, for, in terms of modern day, I really, um, Jiddu Krishnamurti is, you know, really important. I, um, mm-hmm. I really feel like he, he hit a lot of things on the dot. And uh, I've been reading this, uh, this book about the life of Deepama, which is um, another uh, Buddhist lay practitioner. And she was really, really powerful, very, very highly developed and was, um, you know, really striking. I think in terms of people from like this century, century, I know the, um, the teacher of Goenka, um, Sayaji Ubakin has some really powerful writings, particularly this one piece called what Buddhism is, where, um, he gives us like really long lecture about, um, all the different sides of Buddhism, especially, um, 
you know, there are so many different strands of Buddhism. So really thinking about the original Buddhism that um, the Buddha set forward um, back when he was alive. Uh, it's really cool to sort of uh, ground yourself in, in his writings because it's, um, I mean, he's just an absolutely brilliant, stellar human being. Um, his name yeah. is Sayaji Ubakin. And then um, I love Webu Sayuda, uh, Lady Sayuda. These are other, these are monks who were incredibly developed and, and really, really um, powerful writers. Beautiful. Well, that, that gives, uh, certainly gives me and I know the listeners some, some, you know, uh, people to check out that, you know, maybe, uh, they need to, or would want to, uh, or have never heard of. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I've also, you know, looked at, I have a couple of your, your quotes here that you've written that I'd like to discuss as well. Uh, yeah. one of the things that comes up a lot is the idea of, you know, love and, and unconditional love. And, um, you wrote, how do you know it is true love? when you feel free and at home at the same time. And you also wrote, my faith for a better future is in the people who are turning the idea of unconditional love into a way of life. And, um, you know, that is uh, such such a powerful, uh, you know, one more true love does not hurt attachments do. And so I'd like to discuss those. Uh, I've kind of bundled a few together there um, th- that, uh, you know, it's such a, you know, I-, I think back one time a long time ago. Okay, so there used to be, um, there used to be this, and I don't know if it's still there or not for like a month. It was, it was a curiosity, I think on the interwebs, maybe 10 years or so ago called chat roulette. Have you ever heard of yeah, chat roulette? Yeah, okay. Chat. So, <laughs> so I got on chat roulette for a couple of days there. And after I saw too many guys with their pants down, I, I decided maybe it was time to get off. But it, what it would do is it would, it would basically link for those of you who don't know, it would link your webcam with, um, a random person around the world and you could it's kind of like tinder or something you could stay and talk to them or swipe or you know whatever swipe left swipe swipe right um and so uh so i was having fun you know connecting and talking with people around the world and um and once i i came to a, a a page and it was like there was all these like pentagrams and satanic bible and all this dark you know kind of satanic imagery on this person's yeah. uh, webcam and he said and then as soon as i you know was on i was like if you answer this riddle you i will your your soul will be saved and so the riddle was <laughs> what has no conditions but one condition huh is it love? Uh, unconditional love, unconditional right? Love. What has no yeah. con- uh, unconditional love? And the answer came to me, and I said, you know, it took me a few minutes, and I was like, unconditional love. And he's like, and then he took his mask off, his Satan mask or whatever, and, and he was <laughs> like, oh, I've been doing this for five hours straight, waiting for someone to get the right answer, and <laughs> this was my scary technique, you know, and it's yeah. and it, it was just like this fun moment. Um, so that's instantly what I think of uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I think of unconditional love now, <laughs> that story. But um, so what is, you know, what does unconditional love really mean? You know, what, what does that mean to you? Oh, my goodness. Um, so it's a big one. I think unconditional love is a profound state of egolessness. So mm. I write about unconditional love. I write it with the understanding that the average everyday human being will 
have moments of unconditional love where the mind will be clear enough to be able to really perceive reality clearly and be able to act in a selfless manner. But to live fully unconditionally, um, you know, to lovingly unconditionally would require um, a great amount of work. I think when we think of unconditional love, you know, I would think of people like you know, the Buddha or Jesus or people who, you know, are fully highly developed and, you know, have completely purified their minds of all cravings so that they no longer feel misery or have ego. Um, cause it really is a lot of the tension that comes from our cravings and our reactions that create our ego. So right. it's when the mind is actually balanced and calm that, uh, that unconditional love can really come forward. And I really feel that unconditional love is actually, um, very innate in the human being. It's, it's actually our true nature. I think uh, a lot of times people will say that greed and fear and hatred, it's human, uh, nature, but I would say, no, that's actually human habit. Um, you know, we're habituated to thinking these ways. And when we actually start releasing these heavy patterns, um, the natural, uh, you know, innately and very naturally there's this emergent, um, love and, compassion that comes forward from our consciousness. So I really feel that, you know, with a lot of work, um, and a lot of effort, you know, with different techniques that can help us, uh, clean up our subconscious and clean up all these different patterns that are really limiting our happiness. Um, unconditional love can move forward and, you know, really help us lead better and happier lives. Yeah, absolutely. I, I fully agree. And, you know, um, I like how you said it here. How do you know if it is true love when you feel free and at home at the same time? And having, you know, I think instantly of sort of like romantic partnerships and things like that. The idea of wanting for your partner what they want for themselves, not needing particular conditions. You know, well, I love you, but I love you if <laughs> it's and, and I feel like that's something that's being challenged in a lot of more conventional style relationships as people become, you know, less ego centered and also more secure in their own self uh you know having those sorts of relationships where it's hey you know i i want for you what you want for you instead of experiencing jealousy and things like that the opposite of jealousy you know compersion and you know um, i'm sure you're familiar with it, you know osho's writings and uh, teachings and of course he's been extra controversial late, lately because of uh, all you know this new documentary that's come out on netflix oh, yeah. which i wow. found wow. very well, yeah wow wow country and i found it very fascinating because he's such a powerful teacher uh on some levels but the way i view it is he kind of you know we talk about unconditional love um you know being moving into this ego egoless state i feel like a, the issues there was he still had a lot of ego energy to process even though he was <laughs> this powerful you know teacher and understood a lot of this stuff and you know on a level that you know i feel like few do you know i'm also uh, one of my favorite quotes um Diego, it's we teach best what we most need to learn. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like uh, that's something that was definitely going on there with him as he, you know, had his process 
play out so publicly and, and dramatically. But, you know, he talked about if you love a, fa- pl- a flower, don't pick it because if you pick it, it dies and it ceases to be what you love. You know, uh, let it be. Lo- you know, it's not about possession. Right. It's about pers- appreciation. Letting, you know, not letting love just be this uh, energy that you are that's that's overflowing from you no matter who is there. You know, uh, you, you, you're not, you know, falling in love per se as you're just being love uh at all times and i think these are really sort of the you you talked about maturing as a society i feel like these are some of the ideas that are really starting to um uh, gain ground as we mature uh you know as a society yeah i um I definitely advise that whoever's listening, you know, you got to watch Wild Wild Country. It's yeah, um, yeah. One, of the, one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time. I've never been so enthralled by, you know, right. six hour anything. So, <laughs> right. Totally. I highly, highly advise people watch it. Um, I, for that piece in particular, going back to that, I think it's interesting because. I, um, when I think of that piece now, I don't, I see how it can come off in the romantic terms, you know, Mm -hmm. as as romantic love, but I really Mm -hmm. see it as more of an individual one. And, Mm. um, I think the next time I post it, maybe in a few months, I'll write about how I actually meant to put the, put that as, you know, it's, it's supposed to be about what you feel with yourself in these moments where unconditional love actually is coming forward in your mind, you know, because there are these moments where, where, um, you know, you're, you're doing your introspective work and love can really sort of come forward to the surface of the mind. And there's that, that freeing feeling of not wanting more. And I think in a lot of ways that's love, you know, just like when you can be without wanting more and you feel that Mm. freedom of just, ah, here I am, you know, like, this is like, I'm just observing purely in this moment. And you really feel free and at home. And a lot of times someone asks me, you know, when, when do I feel most at home? And it really is um, a lot of times when I'm meditating. And, Mm. you know, there are these moments where, you know, ego really subsides, and you're really observing purely and the love just comes forward. And it feels, you know, it's almost like love and awareness um, are the same things at times. And I really, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think that piece, it's, it's interesting how it has become a very popular romantic one, but, mm. um, but it really was, you know, for the individual. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Um, well, you know, and it's all, it's all mirrors of, you know, different, different, um, sort of facets of the of the same conversation so it's interesting yeah i wasn't even aware that that's something that people had grabbed onto with it in any way shape or form it's just something that sort of popped up for me because it is a theme that i'm sort of passionate about and you know some of these i'm a fan of like you know christopher ryan who wrote the book sex at dawn i'm not sure if you're familiar with him uh he he has a yeah he has a ted talk out there where he talks a lot about some of these uh you know uncon unconditional ways of approaching you know uh relationships and we won't dive deeply into that or anything but that's something that comes up to me when i when i think of unconditional love you know and um you know one of the other things that of course in in the same wheelhouse that you talked about you said loving yourself is not selfish it is essential to your well-being and to the well-being of the world and you also said your self-love is a medicine for the earth. And that's something that I talk about all the time as well. It's, um, I, I feel, you know, that we all have very unique 
paths and sort of uh, to-do lists when we incarnated here in uh, 3D reality. But at the top of everyone's list, I feel uh, sort of a a go-to for all of us souls in in 3D is learning self-love because without self-love, without really getting that piece, you're, you know, you're sort of, you can only do so much that's going to benefit uh, yourself and those around you because it's like you're operating from a state of, uh, you know, you're, you're incomplete if you're not, um, if you haven't found your path to uh, truly falling in love with yourself. And I even have had these conversations in the last few days with, you know, I think of an amazing friend who just is doing so much amazing healing work, but he's really struggling with like romantic relationship and not being able to create that for himself. And, you know, what came up for me is like, you're not truly loving yourself then. There's something there because for me, I've moved into a state where I'm like so into me in a good way. Like I so (laughs) love myself in a very healthy, you know, uh, uh, in a very healthy way. And that then is felt by anyone that I'm interacting with, which makes me attractive to the, to, you know, others I feel. And so that's going to, that is your, I feel everyone's path to, you know, once again, I'm taking it back to romantic love, but that's just something that's bubbled yeah. up for me, even in the last few days with a friend and, and, and having a deep conversation with him about this. So um, yeah, I, I love that you're focusing on the on the whole self love piece because I feel like not only for for attracting romantic partnership and and whatnot, but if just for you to you know move into the greatest and grandest version of yourself, it's like exactly. I, I feel yeah. it's a number one thing we need to to focus on. Yeah, there's um, it's quite interesting because I, I feel there's definitely some validity to that idea that you know you need to love yourself really well before. Um, you know, whomever your partner or future partners may actually be able to connect with you deeply. But I think in a lot of ways, I mean, personally for me, um, you know, I'm married now and my wife and I, we met each other at a time where self-love didn't even exist. Mm. (laughs) um, In yourselves, you mean? In ourselves and really in the world. I mean, nobody was talking about self-love back in, you know, 2007. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we met really young. I mean, we met when we were, um, when she was 18 and I was 19 and wow. I probably could not have been further from, from loving myself. And I think there was, um, a bond and an attraction there that was very otherworldly and, um, mm-hmm. it felt very sort of destined and we spent, you know, um, I mean, we've been together for, I think about like 10 years and, and it's, you know, it, it was interesting because we came together when self-love didn't, didn't even really exist in our lives, but we've grown to love ourselves better. And through growing to love ourselves better, the love between us really started flowing much more wow. effectively, much more efficiently, much more abundantly. And um, there's a quote that I wrote kind of recently, and um, it's it, it goes, uh, real love began when we both stopped uh, expecting and instead focused on giving. And uh, Ah, I think in terms of that was really meant for, you know, for the romantic love side, because one thing that I've noticed was that, you know, her, both of us, we just had so many expectations on each other and it just became overbearing. You know, we, um, it just became a constant source of tension, especially in the beginning of the first, the first half of our relationship. But then as we started meditating, you know, we started noticing that, you know, to be able to play out unconditional love as best as we can within the confines of our relationship, right? Neither of us want to be with other people. It's not, it's not the, 
like when I talk about, um, you know, loving someone selflessly, it's like in the sense of loving your family selflessly, loving your partner selflessly, you know, um, not necessarily that there are no rules, but that within not, not, sorry, not rules, but not, not in the sense that there are no agreements, but within the agreements, you know, how well can you, um, love each other? How, how selflessly. And we really started noticing that the less demanding we became of each other, the more each other received. And we, we both mm. started really focusing on giving, 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 you know, like I, you know, I know her, like I know what she likes. I know what she doesn't like. Let me do yeah. this. Or let me surprise her in this way. Or let me, you know, um, you, you understand her love language. And that's exactly. a big one that, that I think people have missed is they, we, we have these different love languages and there's a book on this and you know, the way you receive love and, and wish to receive love may be totally different than your partner. Right. So you're always trying to give it to them in the way that you want to receive it. And then right. it's not being uh, received properly. And there's this frustration. So if you can learn to understand what makes them tick where they how they receive their love and that's been a a, a relatively new realization for me that we've actually talked a little bit about on the show too so i I think that's interesting that you pointed out that you've you cued in on that and um you know also sorry go ahead i kind of jumped in there i got excited (laughs) (laughs) no worries at all no i'm enjoying this um i really think too that you know it seems like some people may think to themselves well if i don't have any expectations then how am i going to get what I want, you know, and that's really, um, where you have to have a lot of faith in yourself and the universe and just like how natural law works. Because a lot of people will say, and I hear this a lot, you know, from people, well, I've given so much and all people have done is just taken, taken, taken. Well, that may be true at times, but there is a natural, you know, there's a law, you know, what you give returns to you in some form or another and not with a particular time frame. So the things yep. that you may have given and someone may have taken from you, um, you know, in a mean way, these things that you've done, especially if you did them selflessly and with a very, um, you know, compassionate volition, they may come to you decades later and you don't know because we're so stuck in the past and, um, and so fearful of the future that we don't realize that, you know, giving is one of the most, um, bountiful and powerful ways that we can sort of open up abundance into our lives. Absolutely. You know, it just, I mean, giving is just everything. And I've really noticed that, you know, the more I give, the more I support other people. Um, it just, it just brings beautiful things into my life. And I'm really grateful for that, for that insight. Cause it's really changed everything around forever. Me and for a lot of people that I know. Yeah. Yeah. I've been talking about this a lot lately. It's like, you know, I believe it was Gandhi that said, if you want to to find yourself, lose yourself in the service of others. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I believe it was Krishnamurti who said, you know, they asked him, what about others? And he said, there are no others. (laughs) And so when you take those two and mash them up, it's like, oh, okay. So when I'm serving and giving, it's really me. And that's why I feel the energetic repercussions. And this is the path to everything that I wish to call into my world is by giving of self. It's like, oh, so I hold all the keys, you know, I hold all the the locks, all the doors. And, you know, that is just like the biggest light bulb. Anyone out there listening, it's like anything that you wish for yourself, 
find a way to give it, find a path to give it away. And that's how he'll receive it. And it will come as, you know, Diego just said, it may not come in the time and the way that you expect. Um, I think of the Bjork song, uh, All is Full of Love, was such a beautiful song. And that's part of her yeah. lyrics. It, 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 it will it maybe won't come in the way you expect to see it or receive it or from the face of another or an angle that you never expected, but it will, it will find its way back to you because you're always giving to self because there are no others and you will feel the energetic repercussions. And And it it may not, it may not even come back in this life, you know, depending on on what you believe in. But a lot of, um, I know in the, in the like old Buddhist tradition, there's this idea of like getting into the higher heavens and a lot of it is in our, you know, um, positive volitional actions, the the actions that we do to support other people. You know, that's really the same idea with um, with uh, Catholic and Christian religions. You know, it's like being kind and being good to other people. That's the type of things that will get you into uh, a beautiful space after this current life. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, and even even and that's a great point, like, okay, so when does that show itself back to me? But, you know, just the act itself of giving instantly, you notice how how good it feels to to move into that space right then and there, much less the future coming back in some other way to to you. It feels amazing when you move into that space. And it's something that uh, I've really focused on, Uh, um, you know, becoming more and more. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up because, um, and that's, you know, and let's say you're an atheist, right. And you don't necessarily believe in, a, in a, any, you know, life beyond this one. Well, what you said hits it on the dot. You get repaid immediately, instantaneously. Do you feel the positivity of having given in your own mind in the same yep. way when you harm another, you're literally harming yourself. And why? Yep. Because the moment that you harm someone to even be able to harm someone, you have to generate such intense mental negativity, such intense tension um, to be able to go through with that action that you are literally creating more and more bondage for yourself. You're literally, yeah. you know, pushing yourself further and further away from your own freedom, from your own happiness. You know, even yeah. the idea of revenge, you know, how much does like who does revenge really punish? You know, it punishes the yep. person who is continuing to have these hateful, sorrow-filled thoughts that just drive them into such miserable actions. And, you know, these things are really, you know, so when you harm another and how that comes back to you and you harm yourself, not only will you immediately harm yourself, but it's something that will come back in some form or another in the future as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, holding on to anger or any of those, uh, those emotions and energies, it's like drinking poison and, you know, expecting the other person to die. (laughs) You're, you're, you're holding on to it. You're doing it to yourself. And, you know, I also wanted to speak, um, you, you were talking about how you, you and your wife met at such a young age and self-love wasn't present. And I think that's a really powerful point because I've been talking a lot lately about, you know, this idea of, of fall in love with yourself and then see that reflection show up externally when you really don't need it. But as with everything, there are many paths, right? And right. Uh, I, there's probably a lot of people like yourself who, you know, had that cosmic connection. You're meant to come together and grow through that process together. Exactly. And it's exactly. sort of like uh, good on you because you sort of, I mean, luck isn't, I don't really believe in luck, but uh, <laughs> fortuitous that you get to have that type of a journey uh, with your partner where it's like, not only do you sort of find yourselves 
uh, uh, individually, but together. And, and then the growth that comes from that is also taking you uh, on the same path still because sometimes as someone's growing you're growing in different directions and, and there's forks in the road and you split right and yeah, so what yeah. what a beautiful setup uh there there certainly must be a powerful <laughs> cosmic connection and uh, some some real soul family uh soul contracts playing out for you guys to come together at such a young tender age and you know to still have gone through all the growth that you've went through and to, to, to be together like that's a beautiful beautiful path uh so yeah. i just wanted to to make that point it was, it's funny i'm um, going a little bit into that i think it's quite um it was quite funny to me you know we had such different backgrounds i mean i you know i was um i'm an immigrant like i came i came from ecuador um english is my second language and you know the way i grew up i grew up in the inner city and when we met in our college we both went to wesleyan um, in Connecticut. And she, you know, totally different background, you know, um, she's Jewish, like grew up in this beautiful suburb. And we just could not have been more different from each other, especially at the time when we met. And, you know, we had, we had a very beautiful connection immediately. Um, but we were both filled with so much, uh, ignorance, you know, we both just like, we, we, we couldn't see beyond ourselves, beyond our cravings and desires. And, um, and it made for, you know, we had a wonderful relationship um, those four years, but it also made for a lot of um, tension and difficulty. And it wasn't until um, I did my first 10-day Vipassana course, and then she did hers a few months later, um, this, the same the same style of meditation, that it both hit us. And it was just like, whoa, you know, um, our connection was in this meditation. You know, like we've, and that's wow. that's one of my personal beliefs is that, you know, we've lived many lives. And, um, and I think, you know, it's not my first lifetime that I've been meditating Vipassana and same with a lot of other people. Um, you know, we, we feel that, you know, this is something we've been doing for a while and it's, and it's very worthwhile. So we, we got to continue doing it. You know, the path to liberation is a, is a long one and it may take many lives. Um, but yeah. it, it was, it was wonderful sort of, you know, as we both, you know, we got, we started meditating Vipassana and we were both like, well, I don't want to meditate anything else. You know, this is it for me. Like this is, you know, my hands are so full with this. Why would I even look for anything else? And, um, right. and it was quite amazing how it was just like, boom, you know, here we are. We had no idea, you know, why we were really together before. And now we both immediately just love this. I mean, we're so into this that it, it all kind of makes sense now that um, we're here to really support each other in, you know, in our freedom. It's beautiful. You know, the, the thing that I notice, um, Diego, having, uh, you know, having had so many amazing guests on the show uh, like yourself is those who are really committed to a, a meditation practice and or if it's even a theme of our, part of our conversation, there's a certain field or, you know, energetic field that surrounds people who are really committed to meditation um it's like it, it permeates you know through the mic over you know over the internet it's just like it's it's like it's felt um and i don't i'm, I'm just wanted to point that out and i'm curious if it's something that you've noticed as well i wonder if the listeners have noticed i mean even if you go back and search you know in our archives the word meditation and you'll bring up several people you know over the last three years of doing these powwow you know interview style episodes um where someone who's really tuned into a deep meditation practice there is a there is a sense of like 
uh, wisdom, calm, peace that just permeates beyond words. Um, and I, I just think that's such a, a, a great testimonial, energetic testimonial to the practice. Yeah, definitely. I, it's, it's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the, the piece, um, self love is a medicine for the earth, because, you know, in your visible life, you know, um, in your introspective life and your visible life, um, you know, amongst other people, a lot of things will change and they'll, um, ripple out like, um, like we were saying before, and they'll really change this ocean of humanity that we all live in. But then there's a lot of invisible stuff that's going on. You know, a lot of things where, you know, energetically, just like the, um, the energy that you put out and, you know, like I, I meditate every day and the energy in my home is totally different than it was before. You know, my wife and I, we both meditate every day and it just has totally changed, especially the environment of like exactly where we have like our meditation cushions and everything. Um, even in that little spot, it's just, it's just Mm. a very calm, it's a very calm situation over there, you know, whether we're there or not. And, and that stuff really, you know, it is, we live in one giant ocean and the actions that we do, whether they're mental, you know, physical, um, they all reverberate outward. They're like, we're dropping stones in the ocean and they just ripple outward and affect all of humanity. So when we're, we're really thinking about global peace, you know, you can literally add the inner peace of every individual and then you'll get the summation of total global human peace. The same mm. thing with like total, you know, craving, hatred, fear, and when we change these things inside of ourselves, and that's why I really believe that, you know, the secret to a global peace is in the transformation of the individual. And that does not mean that we all have to love perfectly unconditionally. It does not mean that we all have to be completely perfectly healed. Not at all. It just means that we need to get and reach a critical mass of human beings that really understand that to harm another is to harm oneself. And once we sort of reach that critical mass, then it'll really make a shift in our in our global situation. Because when enough people understand that to harm another is to harm oneself, you're you're really going to see a drastic difference. People just will not want to harm each other, and that's you know that's a lot of what we're doing today. Yeah, I, I call it the the good kind of selfish. Um, <laughs> when you understand this, it's a good kind of selfish, right? And uh, I could oh, not agree with you more. And and, and, and I feel like you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, and and yeah, and I, I definitely can see how that may be understood as selfish, but it's really just you know, sort of it's it's just it's like understanding you know you don't want to put your hand in a fire. You know, yep. you 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 got you got to understand these natural laws that though yep. they may be visible or invisible are really, really working and are, are part of our world, you know, whether yeah. we're aware of them or not. And once we become aware of them, it just makes sense, you know, Hey, like, I'm just not going to jump into that fire and I'm actually going to cultivate the opposite because it's better for everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, now seems like a good moment to take a quick minute to tell those of you who aren't familiar a bit about our sponsor Gaia. I've been a big fan of Gaia for many years now, which is why they're the only content provider I've ever reached out to in regards to potentially supporting this podcast. So needless to say, I'm very excited they're now supporting the show. Gaia truly is my personal go-to source for streaming consciousness content on the web. They have an incredible 7,000 plus exclusive videos covering 5,000 years of wisdom. 
Just to give you an example, on the show Missing Links, the incredible researcher Greg Braden explores all the biggest questions concerning who we are, where we come from, where we're going, by connecting the missing links between science and spirituality to complete our understanding of humanity's history and to better understand the interconnectedness of all things. Awesome, right? And that's just one example. As you guys constantly hear me say, it's a daily conscious effort to maintain an elevated vibration. And if you're looking to go deep down the rabbit hole to do so, then Gaia is the best place I know of to do it, period. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. Well, Diego, I'd like to switch gears a little bit here. And, you know, the listeners know that I am a, uh, not only a fan of amazing prose and poetry and quotes and writing like you do, but I also um, am a huge fan of stories of synchronicity or serendipity or a positive paranormal story. And I'm curious if you have something like that up your sleeve. Yeah, I actually I feel I feel a little bad because we've been talking so much about my relationship with my wife. And this this was a story that I had saved for this moment. (laughs) But it's a it's about um, why I decided to ask her to marry me. And I think it's beautiful. uh, Continue with the with the with the sharing your your amazing love story from 18 on. I mean, it's an inspiration. (laughs) So you can't share. I mean, the, the odds of you making it to 30 or pretty, pretty, uh, slim statistically. So you've definitely got something to share. So please don't be, don't be sorry. <laughs> it's so funny though, because I, I promise the listeners, if you hear like other podcasts I've been on, I'm not talking about my wife all the time. So, <laughs> so she's so fantastic. She's the wisest person I know, but just to, <laughs> to keep it going. Um, so that's awesome. Back, back in right, actually right before I did my first Vipassana course. So this is, uh, I would say June or July, 2012, my wife and I had taken a little bit of a break and I had, um, she was still in Boston, Massachusetts. And I was, um, I had moved for three months to Portland, Oregon, where I was learning how to farm because, um, I knew that the world was changing so much and that it was, you know, just really important for me at the time to learn how to garden, how to grow my own food. And so I was staying on this, um, this community, this community farm is called um, Try On Life Community Farm. And I was, you know, we had decided that because at that point we had already been together for about four-ish years and uh-huh. we had decided to make nicknames for each other. You know, we, um, <laughs> it's been so long, we've been saying the same names over and over. We were like, all right, whatever, you know, like um, even though we were on a break, we're obviously still best friends and we were talking on the phone, um, you know, like a few times a week. And we had set that task for ourselves. And I remember I was like, you know, like deep in a kale patch. I'm just like working on this, you know, you know, trying to, um, take out all these, um, all these shrubs and all these things and making, trying to work on this kale garden. And it just so spontaneously hit me, you know, like it just was such a, a moment where there was a, a deep mental clarity and the name, Elia came to mind, E-L-I-A, um, it pronounced Elia or Elia. And cool. I didn't think too much about it. I kept the name with me and I, um, you know, thought, you know, I thought, oh, great. You know, I'll tell her next time I speak to her on the phone. So a little bit of time passed, I think about a week or two. 
And I ended up um, looking at looking up the name online. And when I looked it up, I saw that the name was not only of Hebrew origin, but the name meant God has answered. And wow. it just blew like it, it, it just blew my mind. Like because at that time I, you know, we were in a very transitional period. It was we were sort of trying to decide, you know, should we continue being together for the long haul or, you know, should we go our separate ways? And when that came to me, you know, I had never even seen this name before ever in my life, you know, never even heard it, never seen it anywhere. Um, And it just spontaneously came to my mind. And then I look up the definition and it's God has answered. And I'm just like, holy, you know, like what is going on? And um, then I call my mom and I'm like, mom, I think I got to marry this girl. My mom's like, yeah, you're of course, like you'd be dumb not to. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, I get back to Boston and um, I think uh, like a week after I get back, I just, you know, ask her if she wants to, you know, take on this forever, you know, just just go through it the long haul. And and um, she was down, you know, so it was really just a very serendipitous, very beautiful moment that um, that we both really, you know, were really awestruck by. We were just like, whoa, that's that's very um, pretty amazing. Yeah, that is it's that's a powerful. Not only is it a beautiful sounding nickname, you know, I expected you were going to say something like Squishaluffalus or something. You know, I mean, you came through with like <laughs> you came through with this beautiful like sounding word and name, and then for it to also have that meaning and to be tied to her ancestral heritage is yeah, like wow, was, that's beautiful. I was, you know, I was in such a moment of shock. I was like, what the heck is going on here? Like, I was like, I I felt like the universe was just playing games with me at that point. And I was like, all right, well, this is it, you know, and I knew it totally matched up with my feelings. And, and yeah, now it's, you know, still together. Inquiring minds want to know, do you still, uh, do you still use the nickname? Yeah, I think occasionally we do for sure. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't get any any bad marks here in the in the uh, the final final moments of this podcast by uh, still <laughs> using the nickname Diego. You are amazing. This has been um, such such a wonderful journey to connect with you and uh, to ponder uh, you know all your amazing insights and work and. Uh, I, I know that the listeners uh, are are going to be curious to know how best to connect with you, where they can find the book, you know, right, a- anything right. like that that you'd like to share now would be a good time. Yeah. First off, thank you so much, Brandon. I, this was so much fun. Um, I, I got to give it to you. I've done a few podcasts and you're fantastic, man. Um, oh, thank you so much. I think uh, so. The best way. So my, my book is called Inward. Um and it's under the name Young Pueblo, which is Y-U-N-G uh, space P-U-E-B-L-O. And if you search that on Amazon, um, it should pop right up in Word Young Pueblo. And um, and that's also in Word, I-N-W-A-R-D. And it's mm-hmm. on Amazon, Amazon Canada, Amazon Europe, Amazon UK. And uh, for people worldwide, um, not in those countries, you can go to bookdepository.com and they have free global shipping there. And, um, cool. if you want to connect with me on the, on the everyday level, I'm on Instagram is the best place to, to, um, see what I'm putting up daily. And there you can find me under Y U N G underscore P U E B L O. Beautiful. 
That's it. Yeah. Beautiful. 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 Well, I do have one last question for you, Diego. And, uh, that question is in 60 seconds or less, what is the meaning of life according to Diego Perez? As far as I know, it's to cultivate your freedom. I think it's, uh, and that means, you know, being a good person, doing what you need to do to be free. And a lot of, a lot of it is, you know, finding a technique that will really help you heal yourself. You know, uh, letting go isn't easy. And a lot of what we do need to let go of is our old conditioning that limits our happiness. But the best way to let go and really cultivate that freedom is to find a technique that really meets you where you're at. And you know, Mm. it's something that's good for you if it challenges you without overwhelming you. You know, find that ah. sweet spot where it's difficult, but it's not too difficult. And there's a lot of great things out there, but just find something and use it to your advantage. What a wonderful uh, perspective and piece of advice. You are uh, a beautiful, amazing reflection, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to connect and share. Uh, and uh, I look forward to uh, continuing to follow your work and, sure. and connecting in 3D, uh, perhaps mm-hmm. sooner than later. I might try and make yeah. it down to San Diego uh, for your next uh, talk that you're giving. And uh, since it's not too far away, and if not there, sometime soon thereafter, I'm sure our paths will cross. Definitely, brother. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who's listening. So much love to everyone. Excellent. Until next time, journey well, everyone. If you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes. Since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting, uh, your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, by all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. <laughs> Otherwise. As you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.